Welcome to Too Much Movie, a podcast that gets lost in those movies that are too much in the best possible way. I am one of your hosts, Blake Howard. My co-hosts are Rob Belushi and Chris Candy. The men called them the ghost and the darkness. There were two of them, and that had never happened before because podcasting man-eaters are always alone. They owned the night, but they also attacked in daylight. Some thought they were not podcasting lions at all, but the spirits of dead medicine man come back to spread podcasting madness. Or they were the devil sent to stop from podcasters from owning the world. What better ground for too much movie to examine than Savo? Because this is what the word Savo means. A place where podcasters gush about how much the ghost and the darkness slays. Welcome, gentlemen, back to Too Much Movie. And this time... Oh my God. We are here to talk about a movie, a Chris Candy special. I'm so excited to see you both. <laughs> Rawr. <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Oh man, it just, it feels so good to be back on the channel with you guys today. It's good. It's really good. Couldn't be yeah. happier. I missed uh, you, hot boys. I missed you. Yeah, we were, we were definitely, um, there was a lot of, uh, kind of misplanning that was going on and we were the schedules are a little all over the place but we finally are back in, in the too much movie um cinema you know love it in here <laughs> projector is always on film we're here where the 90s really is peak you know this is this is the ground this is the stomping ground where 90s movies get their due the ones that deserve all of our attention really living in the 90s right now it's so good yeah Crouching in the flowing sage grass, <laughs> desert grass, ready to kill. <laughs> I'm going to just say it now. This one might not be too much movie, but just enough movie. <laughs> we're not changing the title. I, we're not no. changing the title, number one. I think it's too much. I think there's so much here, and, and it might be in threads and tendrils. I think this fits the brief. I've watched this damn movie. I know that Rob's a little bit new, newer to it, but I know, Chris, you and I, I've watched this movie c- c- countless times. I right. loved it. It's that perfect blend of adventure and horror. It's that great time in the mid to late 90s where you can't fake anything without a yeah. you know there's that point where special effects still priced you out of uh doing things because it was still prohibitively expensive for a lot of production so they were like oh we're going to we're going to go to Africa we're going to build a work site that's going to be our set people are going to stay there we're going to find a place to build a bridge we're going to get thousands of extras in and i just think that there's just something about more recent contemporary fare, which is even quite good, but like, you know, and nothing to throw shade at a a show that is probably beloved. And I hate talking about it at all, but like star Wars, Obi-Wan, which I'm watching currently, I'm not giving my opinion on it, but all I will say is it feels like there's like eight stormtroopers when I, there should be like 500, you know, and and this is the kind of movie when you go back and you watch it, uh, it feels like there's just so much scale and so much scope. It never feels small, even though in some moments it is, it's intimate, it's small, it's creepy. But uh, those scenes at the train station and where you see all the yeah. workers and the chaos when the lions are, you know, unleashing their kind of brutality is just like, I don't, I personally don't think there's anything like it. It's just wonderful. Yeah. I think that you're right. I think that I, I, um, I, on the rewatch on this uh, and I did it twice, I was, I was finding myself kind of, not getting a passive viewing on this one, but one of the big takeaways was that, that this is a, 
um, this is a big studio film. Yes. And this has all of these elements to it that you just don't see anymore in big studio films. And, you know, I, um, I, I, I remember seeing this when it came out in movie theaters. I remember going to the theater to see it. And this was like a time for movies when I would most likely go every weekend to go see a movie. Friday night would roll around and, you know, I'd get dropped off at Century City Shopping Center or Westwood here in Los Angeles. And, and I would just go see whatever was the new movie. And I very well remember going to see Ghost in the Darkness. And it, it totally caught me off guard at the time because I just, I had no idea what to expect, you know. I kind of want to tandem this with a, a little bit of nerddom for other <laughs> films and, and, and I won't give opinions on them, but it's like, I'm a huge Jurassic Park fan. Right. Yes. And they have now shifted this whole world that they're in now to try and feel like an Indiana Jones movie. And it's not really a horror movie anymore. And while I was watching ghosts in the darkness, I was going, well, this movie feels like an Indiana Jones movie. I don't know if those other movies quite <laughs> feel like that. And I think it's to that point, there is a sense of weightedness that Indiana Jones movies have um, that ghosts in the darkness has. And that does come with the environment. You know, like you said, it, it exists in, in a proper location. There is actual sets. There is a real, uh, you know, railroad. There is a track. There are multiple extras. And it's, it's not, you know, digitized, patchworked um, people, which you quite so often see. And it does do a lot of justice for this type of movie <laughs> because yeah. what I will then pivot to say um, is it felt exactly like Jaws. <laughs> I was yeah. watching it and I was going, oh, this is beat for beat Jaws and Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all time. And it just has so many moments and we can get into it during the podcast that, that feel like that. But I wanna now go into Rob yes. because Rob, Jaws isn't one of your favorite films, correct? I And look, I, I think it's great. I just, I don't, um, it's just not one that I, I saw Jaws and I never swam in a pool again. I mean, <laughs> I used to, I used to be in a pool and think that there was a shark in the deep end. So I think there's some like, so it worked. <laughs> yeah, it worked. It worked. Um, but I'm, you know, when you watch Jaws, were you cheering for the shark? <laughs> Jaws is one of those movies that I was um no I was cheering for the characters um and each one of those characters is so stylistically interesting to me you know I I had this kind of observation that I felt like you know, 2012 hipster culture could all be mapped out by every character of Jaws. You know, every person looked like, you know, either a Richard Dreyfus or, you know, the yeah. shark in the captain, or they looked like His sweatshirts. Uh, yeah, yeah, like I just, I felt like, you know, every character, the even mixing the mixing of red and white wine together when you really want to <laughs> take it over the, take it over the edge. But I, 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 I feel like what, you know, and to sew this back into Ghost in the Darkness, I think what these movies do really well that a lot of modern day movies and, and to kind of just tie Jurassic into this is what like Jaws did so great. And this has been said before is it hides the threat. You know, they couldn't yes. have a shark. And so they got really creative with every other element of cinema to create the threat of the shark. And I think that is so effective. And, and I feel like studios know that 
um, but they don't know how to execute it anymore. I think uh, it, I, I think that that's kind of a lost art that you maybe see in horror movies or indie films where they kind of are able to get away with that. But Ghost in the Darkness still has that, and 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 even though there's some now kind of cringe CG lion attacks in this movie that are you know more reminiscent of Sharknado than anything <laughs> you've seen currently, I do think that it does a good job of. I get the sense of being in this village and I get the sense of having this external threat of these lions out there. And I, I, I just, I think that there's something that strikes a chord within my uh, childish nerdy body that um, really appreciated that about it when I was a kid. And I did feel that when I was rewatching it, I just, I felt like um, the pacing was a bit off from what I remember. <laughs> Maybe that's the best way to put it. It's, you know, um, I, I agree the the what is that blake is it like what is the desert bloom that they show in ghost in the darkness do you know what it is like the 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 brush yeah the brush which you we just say the, 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 you the, say the brush or the bush like i i have been to southern africa the, in that part and they tend to use the same vernacular as aussies they say the bush it's just the bush and it's like acacia there's a lot of acacia scrub there and, and like savanna grasses and those sorts of things that's that's the savanna kind of, grasses yeah. yeah the undulating savanna yeah. grasses and bush i thought um i thought really felt like felt like uh the ocean upon the ground and yes and that's where i felt the jawsiness the most and you're right you know, they would always cut to that undulating grass and you never, it was scary because you never knew what was hiding in it, much like the ocean or, you know, in horror movies, the, the forest or, or whatever. So I thought that, that was really uh, intensely successful and beautiful and like mesmerizing similar to the ocean. And I, I love that. And um, I, the difference for me between Jaws and Ghost in the Darkness is, um, Jaws, I feel like the shark is a predator preying upon the innocent. And in Ghost in the Darkness, I'm cheering for the lions to kill <laughs> right. and eat everyone. <laughs> I want them all. To, I mean, obviously, I want a bunch of the the kind of, uh, uh, I guess, oppressed villagers to get away. So right. when they all right. leave, I'm like, yay. Yes. Now, now it's time for the colonizers to die. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, go lions, go. That's a that's um, but, I think that's an evolving uh, reading of this and I don't think you're wrong. I think it's like fun to be like, yeah, I'm kind of if they someone gets taken out here, I'm not nearly as precious as I used to be. Would that be British imperialism? Was that what it was that yeah. is basically showing cuz that's when I first watched it, I was just going like, oh, this is very clear and 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 that's very creative cuz it was very true. It's just like when you kind of go through the history of of uh, Britain, it's just, it's, you know, they were just cutting countries in half and saying, you're this and you're that. And and so this definitely in the rewatch, I was like, oh yeah, the lions are cool. <laughs> like, fuck you guys. Yeah, it's like, hey, hey, we're building a bridge. You know, Val Kilmer's got like, oh, we're building a bridge and bridges bring people and cultures together. But it's like, but all y'all over there <laughs> are gonna get eaten by the mouthful and we're cool over here, right. you know. The doctor says something that kind of winks to some self-awareness of like the the fable they're telling. But I did just to echo Blake, like 
things that I thought the film did. I, I remember seeing this in, in the theater too. Um, and I, I remember being really excited to see it because it had like everything I love. Michael Douglas, Val Kilmer, Emily Mortimer before we like, yeah. she was new to the game. Um, right. Love her. Stacked cast. She's amazing. But, and I, I remember being like, huh. And then I rewatched it again for this. And I, and I left again being like, yeah mm. <laughs> um there were things that i loved about it though and, and what it did do for me was create that idea of isolation and chaos really successfully you know just uh touching back on what blake said about the vast uh country the vast distances the aloneness of that one single unfinished uh train track you know as just like this solitary Oh, owed to um, developing technology amidst this entire camp and extended universe of primitive um, tools and, you know, primitive animalistic urge killing and, you know, primitive medicine and like right. the doctors treating people, but to no avail. And so I thought that that kind of juxtaposition was really cool. And, and I thought the lion the lion action, I thought it had hot lion action. And then I found out the lions uh, were ladies. And I was <laughs> very into those lady lions. All right, JK, we... I lay with all lions. <laughs> all right, what I'm going to do is we were originally, because we've been trying to plan this for so long, um, we were originally going to have a guest uh, on the show, Maria Lewis. But I'm going to quickly do... I'm going to play uh, a little clip from Maria who couldn't be a guest with us today. So you can listen to her loving gush about the ghost in the darkness, why she's such a fan of this movie. She even touches on what Rob called female lion erasure. So you guys have a listen to that. Then we're going to, we're going to take a quick break. I'll come back and read out the synopsis. Thankfully from our friend at imdb.com, jwelsh5742, I think does a pretty damn good job with the synopsis. We'll come back with that in just a moment. All right, The Ghost in the Darkness, 1996, directed by Stephen Hopkins. Full clarity, I just came back from a book award, so I'm quite drunk. Delete this, but just so you know <laughs> what you're in for. Not my fault. Okay, this film meant everything to me. It was a Channel 7 midday movie, which only makes sense to Australians, when I was a wee kid and I was just like, the fuck is this? Is this the greatest film ever made? It had a wild animal and then it had two because that was like the big bait and switch initially was you're like, whoa, a lion's eating someone. That's crazy how cool to see on camera. I mean, like fictionally. And then there were two and I was like, wow, that's even better. Holy shit. Um, and it was just like sensational. It was like a horror movie shot in an open space in broad daylight was, which is just a thing that seems like feasibly impossible. And of course you get older and you're like, Oh, okay. The guy who directed predator Two, a movie I love and actually prefer to predator one controversial directed this. So like somebody who knows what they're doing about shooting uh, sort of like unconventional horror elements in an unconventional space, obviously like William Goldman, you know, fucking, all the president's men, a movie I love, but I just have to say fuck him. Cause I guess that's like, I can see that being Blake's hook in being like, Oh, he's one of our cinema boys or whatever. But it was this film that I recorded off channel seven when it was the midday movie. And I had this 
basically library of VHSs that I used to record on CCTV footage VHSs that had been thrown out from my mum's work that was supposed to be destroyed. She would bring them home and I would tape movies off TV. So it was this movie I was obsessed with for years before I ever knew who Val Kilmer or Michael Douglas were. In fact, these were the first movies I ever saw with either of them in it. And I was always obsessed with the scene where there's a bunch of people in a tent and they're sleeping head to head in a circle formation. And the lionesses, spoilers, uh, I mean, not in the movie, but in real life, there were lionesses. We'll get to that in a minute. But they're pulling them out one by one by one. And it was just this terrifying scene, but also really masterful execution of horror elements and horror devices and also this it's a dream sequence but like whatever and a lion eats a baby (laughs) I'm like sorry is that cinema is that not cinema that's fucking dope anyway Ghost in the Darkness is a film I love so much I love creature features I love anything within the action horror of there I love period horror as well. It had all these elements to it. I love the sort of the duo of the villains, quote unquote, are they villains? Cause like it's a big colonialism metaphor and stuff. And then the Michael Douglas and Phil Kilmer for so much so that as an adult, I went to the actual place where the real lions, the real ghost in the darkness are stored because they were women, patriarchal erasure, uh, there were two lionesses, actually, which makes their behavior even more unusual. And they are taxidermied on display in a museum, which I really loved. And that is everything I have to say about the ghosts in the dark. It's not true. I would probably talk for four hours about it. But just like the ghost in the darkness fictional film, this podcast, too, is female erasure. Love you. Bye. Lions. They are the ghost and the darkness. We're in a race, Colonel, and the prize is the continent of Africa. We are building the most expensive and daring railroad in history for the glorious purpose of saving Africa from the Africans and, of course, to end slavery. How many do you think they've killed? Hundred, maybe more. Do we wish the world to think that the builders of the British Empire are afraid because of a few minor difficulties with the local wildlife? Are you sure this was a lion? I'm going to locate Remington. I assume you've heard of him. Well, ready! Now, do you see a problem with that? Actually, no. Let's go after him. Get him back! The devil has come to Samoa! Rather cheerful fellow when you get to know you. <laughs> you don't enjoy killing, do you? Then why do it? Because I've got a gift. Michael Douglas. Val Kilmer. 
the ghost and the darkness. Now, can you control your fear? Can you? Sir Robert Beaumont is behind schedule on a railroad in Africa, enlisting noted engineer John Henry Patterson to right the ship. Beaumont expects results. Everything seems great until the crew discovers the mutilated corpse of the project's foreman, seemingly killed by a lion. After several more attacks, Patterson calls in famed hunter Charles Remington, who has finally met his match in the blood thirsty lions that is where we are this is the ghost in the darkness in case you hadn't remembered what it's all about patterson played by val kilmer beaumont um again we talked about emily mortimer being in this but tom wilkinson is beaumont and he is such a badass so great in basically everything and remington played by michael douglas now before we get on to our two favorite scenes my two favorite factoids about remington is that Douglas was producing this. It's based on a William Goldman script. They always, really? yeah, William Goldman script, Douglas producing Remington in the script and everything up into production had always, they'd always wanted two guys, the two same names. Now, some people said it's Tom Cruise, but I think that's a little bit of internet law. The two guys they wanted, Sean Connery mm. or Anthony Hopkins. And the role was going to be much smaller until eventually they couldn't get those guys. And Douglas is like, well, we can't get those guys. Maybe I need to just lend my star power to this thing so we can actually get the thing made. And then the, you know, they blew out the Remington role slightly. And so that's where, which often happened with William Goldman. He had a bit of a dispute with like the character doesn't, he, he shouldn't be as big a character as he is in this movie. He should just have like popped in and then basically been mauled to death by lions and then out. Um, but there's that. And as Maria said, um, the other thing is that these were two lionesses, actually the ghosts in the darkness. And they're in, speaking of Chicago connection, they're in Chicago in a museum stuff to this day, Rob Belushi. They are. Go and visit them. <laughs> oh, we, we do. We growing up, we did lots of field trips to the field museum. <laughs> I, uh, I probably had fantasies of like running away to the field museum and living amongst the ghosts. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's why we get to where we are with these guys, with these lions, with this thing. So Roger Ebert did not like this movie and he hated it because of one thing I want to talk to both of you guys. He said that Val Kilmer has nineties hair. He's like, that took him out of the performance of Val Kilmer. He's got the most nineties <laughs> haircut of all time. And and Siskel famously was like, no, this is fun. I had a great time. You know, it's like, it's a rollicking adventure. I think that's where we lean. He's like, no, it's like, I just didn't believe it. Right from Val Kilmer's hair, the accent. I didn't believe it. I think I'm a little bit more favorable on it later because I, I mean, there's only, I can't get enough Val. So uh, at this time of his career, I'm like, yeah, he looks fantastic. I can get over the nineties haircut and his kind of okay Irish accent. I, I, I really, I kind of dug this movie. Yeah. I think that, um, the, you know, both those points are correct, <laughs> but I think it's like in, in rewatching this and talking about it with you guys, again, I just come back to like, it's a movie that tries things Yes, and it's, it's like, even from the acting, it's like, we now have movies where you, we don't get that luxury of people trying things um, on a grandiose scale. And and this was like a summer blockbuster, wasn't this, this movie, when did this come out actually? Yeah, it feels not- like it would have been. It was, a, it was in that blockbuster slot. It's a 1996 is the movie. And so it was like late summer slot from what I uh, remember. I'll get the exact dates up now. Which I but, remember when I would go see movies is like you'd have like around this time you have your big movies come out. And then if the movie wasn't that great, 
but maybe they thought it was going to be okay. It would be like August. And then if it was September, I remember September was the graveyard. Like if your movie came out in September, it was it just from my like mall shop going to the <laughs> movies, the September movies were never too hot. Um, that's where you get like Johnny Mnemonic and all of that kind of stuff. But <laughs> Oh, October. So maybe it's even more of a graveyard. They weren't oh, sure about this one. It's October 11th. Maybe. Okay. So then that makes sense. But I do have to say, um, it, I, I stand by that the movie does have people trying things. And, and I think like, especially for Val, you know, the, yeah, the accent's a bit cringe, but it also just is reminiscent of, of actors who were, were doing those kinds of things. And they weren't just kind of sticking to what was comfortable and, and the audience accepted it. I mean, they would maybe say it was corny, but I, I feel like nowadays we're inundated with so much stuff that we can really say, well, that's not accurate, but you know, it'll, it, it, it felt more theatrical and, it, it felt like a movie. And I, I just, I have to say that that was what was enjoyable about the rewatch with it. And um, yeah, it did get the kind of goosebumps going when I heard the score. That's a beautiful score. Jerry Goldsmith's um, score is amazing. Like, I think Rob, you said the undulating grasslands are like the ocean that Jerry Goldsmith score, especially like it just sort of sucks the air out of your lungs when he's playing that over just like the grass and you're like, Oh God, it feels like this big anticipatory, like, inhale every single time he's showing that or showing the brush and you're like oh god like when's when's one of these lines going to come out and take some of these guys i mean if this movie was made today like the lions would have like a personality and someone would try to talk to them or something like that you know what i mean like this this is what i love about these movies that deal with animals is that there is no like um they're 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 a part of a different kingdom you yeah. know and it's like then and it's not ours so i i think that i always appreciated that in this film uh especially being such a jurassic nerd uh, around that time i think i was like looking I, for I, that yeah no i mean i look like um i uh val kilmer's teeth are so beautiful <laughs> I, I could not take my eyes off his mouth like i wanted to i wanted the the trap that he makes was just for me his mouth i wanted to crawl into his mouth and die there i mean i wasn't thrown by his hair and his accent you know i think he's probably would admit he's done better work but val kilmer always commits and um his character was such like a I don't know. It felt like he was too naive for the for the area. Like he was too innocent and idealistic to be in the place he was. And I know that's his character arc. But just speaking of like this this director, um, Stephen Hopkins, what, I, he had done. Listen to these three before uh, Ghost in the Darkness. Okay, Predator Two, Judgment Night, and then Blown Away. Oh, blown oh I loved the blown ghost away. Movie. I I was just gonna say I mean, I, there's I love there's, all of those. there's almost there's almost I was just I actually was saying this later, but I'm like Stephen Hopkins, such an underrated director. Um, Predator Two may have to be part of Too Much Movie eventually because that movie ref, like I know a lot of people gave it crap, and I'm such a, an immense fan of the original Predator. I think it's one of the greatest action movies ever made. But sure. holy heck, Predator Two rules like what you what you don't I love predator i love predator 2 it's so good it like completely uh, completely a great sequel in a in a, a wholly different way and it oh, i love that movie so much so it's him doing you know i mean the predator is essentially 
an animal, an urban animal. Yes. He, he took the, the, the animal of the jungle in Predator 1 and put it in, in the urban landscape with an amazing cast. I mean, Ruben <laughs> Blades, Maria Conchita Alonso. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense because these movies, yeah, these movies feel like that era to me, very much so. Okay. And, and it, yeah, Bill Paxton, Gary Busey, my God. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, the, the behind the scenes of Gary Busey talking about Predator 2 is some of the greatest stuff on the internet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to have to say we're definitely doing Predator 2 at some point because if anything, I just want to I want to watch those clips with you guys on the show live to get some reactions. They're outstanding. And Danny Glover, what a king I at that stage. Oh, oh, my gosh. She's the king holding that gun. But also, you know, just to just to bring it back i mean william goldman's amazing but just what he did in the 90s was he had absolute power the general's daughter um chaplain and misery all in the 90s you know not everything's amazing but some really i mean besides what he did in the 80s and 70s obviously but um but yeah i i look i i thought um you know it's interesting what you said about Michael Douglas stepping in. It really felt like that. I mean, it his performance, it felt like his his dialect was uneven. It felt like he was pulling some jewel of the Nile action in yeah, and yeah. like relying on on swagger and like I love Michael Douglas, but I was just like, dude, <laughs> I, I I'm I'm today I'm on this podcast to learn how to love this movie more <laughs> but um it did do and like I'm not here to hate on anyone you know it's so hard to get a movie made to make a movie especially one as ambitious and imperialistic as this one I just kind of wish it ended with them failing to make the bridge right and like the final um yeah. theme was that in, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's a it's a uh, a happier ending if imperialism loses in within the beauty of a native country. But I, you know, that's that's not probably the real story. And um, yeah. but they did. There were a couple great scenes, and and the lion stuff was to me my favorite part. That's why I said I was rooting for the lions. Like they come in, it's chaos killing like menace and and right. um you know there's i think there's a line like they're doing they're hunting for fun or they're doing this for fun it's sport killing whatever and to me that was that was really fun and scary let's um let's talk about hopkins for a second because there's two things stephen hopkins in 1999 was interviewed for sfx magazine and he said that making the ghost in the darkness was a true nightmare and said <laughs> that it was completely recut in post-production and to give Remington a bigger role, they cut like 45 minutes of the other storylines that are going on in the story. And he's uh-huh. not still to this day, not happy with it. And what he also said was, you know, Val had just come off the Island of Dr. Moreau. So this horrible experience that he's had in career and he had, 
he was going through a divorce and stuff like that. So he, he goes, he, he was so passionate about the film that he came under all these like weird circumstances. So not only was it a weird one from a producer, director, tension perspective, but it was a weird one for the leading man who came in really passionate to re- like really make this movie. And you can right. almost smell that there are some other tendrils or some like plot holes and things like that. The reason why I love this movie is because you know, um, our friend, a good friend of uh, Rob and I's, Jedediah Ayers, always says, like, you know, he says finally, like, you guys have to like all of the movie to like it, huh? Like, he's, it's like this inquisitive <laughs> thing. He's like, he's like, do you guys have to like it all? And I'm like, there's little bits I don't like, but the things in this movie when it hits, the score, right. that train bursting, you know, leaving in the fog and bursting out into the African morning, the the incredible score that is going over these undulating grasslands, the fear, and then just, you know, although the kind of, if you retroactively, if you're a huge Michael Douglas fan, you might've thought it was a bit like wrote his performance. But at the time I was a kid, I hadn't seen many Michael Douglas movies. So like, this was my, like, other than Romance and Stone, this was like my Michael Douglas movie. And so I came into it as a kid going, oh, this guy's the coolest man in the world. And watching him and Val play off one another and having that relationship, it just, it just kind of did everything for me. And I like Chris is I'm a huge Jaws guy too. Like I think it's one of the greatest movies of all time. And that, that those feelings, that immediacy. And, and then again, that same thing that Spielberg talked about, like he would never make a movie on the water again. It was a, such a nightmare. I love that they made this in Africa. So amongst all those other chaotic things that were going down, they made it, you know, they had real Maasai warriors there. They did ceremonies. There was lots of other things that were going down. And I just, I don't know, the texture of this movie is something that just gets me. And from the, you know, having been to Africa a couple of times myself, I I call it like the realest place on earth because you, you realize that people wake up in the morning and like you're driving down the road and then a crew of elephants just walk across the road and you have to stop. Cause if you edge your car closer, cause you're being impatient, a female elephant, if she feels threatened or threatened that you're threatening her babies, she will just come over and roll your car over and stomp it out. You know, I'm like, yeah. we don't have to face those things in Australia as much as people think that we've got like snakes and redback spiders, like eight legged freaks that live down the street. Like that's not what happens. Um, but it's, I think the textures of this movie is what makes it too much for me. The textures, the tones, and just even the really organic, like my favorite scene, and we'll get to it when we talk about our favorite scenes, just the chemistry of the three, really the three main key leads in the movie. And I know uh, John Canny, um, may you yep. rest in peace, Val and Michael Douglas, when they're sitting around Samuel Remington and Patterson are sitting around shooting the shit with uh, Brian McCarty's Angus, Star- Angus Starling, I'm just like, I'm in heaven in this movie. I, I, I can't get enough of those, that quartet. Yeah, I also feel like a lot of the movies we watch and and I think what made me jump at doing the rewatch on this and and I did appreciate after after rewatching it is like this movie also gives character actors like a chance to shine. They're just not kind of in the background and yes. and they're very much like part of the texture of the movie and and um they don't have like a 15 minute, you know, sequence. Like it's like they're kind of throughout the whole film and and I guess I just, you know, we can all agree that the way movies are made of is changing and it's always a, it's always going to be changing and i think i just have a soft spot for this time period of how movies were i often say that you know in a lot of movies we talked about it's like visually the shots are beautiful they look like paintings in, in any of these films and it's very apparent in ghosts in the darkness you know um you know when there's like three 
terrified hunters inside of a, you know, a caboose cart, you know, it's, it's, it's visually just very, very pretty. And, um, I just can't say that for a lot of movies I've watched recently. Um, you know, and, and they don't give you that kind of time to breathe and watch. And so, yeah, I, I think I have my, my scenes and, 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 you know, a few lines here and there, but, you know, I just appreciate what once was Rob, just look at a movie, you know, and, and, and say, you know, I remember once I'll tell you this, I'll tell you, you know, it's a really funny thing. And maybe you could take this Rob. I met John Waters once at an art show. And, and so I, I met John Waters and my mom was there and my sister was there and he was selling his, his photography. And not only did he talk to my mom about pornography and how much he loves it, but he also said that he never gets bored in any movie because even if the movie's terrible, he'll just look at the set design or he'll look at uh, the wardrobe and he'll just like focus on other details of the movie and it gets him through a movie every time. And he's, and I, I really appreciated that perspective shift. Cause like, I don't do that. I watch, you know, the whole thing and I kind of digest it all, but I've sometimes like if I'm watching a horror movie, I'll just be like, all right, I'm going to just see what the set designer did because I can't stand, <laughs> I can't stand this. And then I'll start picking up on details and I'll be like, well, oh, that's an interesting book to put on the, <laughs> the night table there, or, you know? And, and I think this movie, uh, I, I was doing some of that too, going like, Oh God, they really did get actual tribes and they actually did, you know, kind of do a thing here. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's a, the, the most unconvinced the, Rob Belushi of all time. <laughs> John no, Waters I mean, I, I was John, no John Waters. Um, he he came to Wesleyan when I was in school there, and he spoke to the school, and it was the most exhilarating, inspiring uh, lecture I had ever had. And I like rushed up to him afterwards, and like was like, "Hi, I'm," you know, and he was so nice, and he he talked about beautiful trash and and i thought it was like uh, such a he's he's amazing and and i will say um it, uh, and and kind and like it, it just exudes that and i will say to your point this is my favorite movie if you are not following the story or the characters right <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that beautiful note, let's have a break. And then Chris and I will come back with our two (laughs) favorite scenes and see if Rob Belushi has a favorite scene in this thing. I do. I do. And, and, and I I have a favorite person in this podcast, which we will share when I come back. All right, let's do that. And we'll come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Chris, give us your two favorite scenes in this sensational Ghost in the Darkness. Well, I think I kind of gave away one already, so I'll get it out of the way. The The hunter scene when they get them locked in the caboose is just like, yeah, it, it, I think it's this. It, I think it's the anchor of the movie. Like there's a lot of that kind of energy going on, you know, and I just 
I, I love the pre scene leading up to this and then, you know, them inside uh, the train cart and then, you know, the lions coming in and they're terrified. They can't shoot at it. And then I love even afterwards when the hunters are just like, you know, we'll do it again. We'll, we'll do it better. You know, they, they just like, there was this urgency in their performance. They were the biggest badasses and they couldn't even kill this lion. And it just felt so like, it just hit this part of my body that I can't explain. It was like the umami of the film for me, where I'm just like, yeah, these fucking lions are even the fucking best killers of the <laughs> land can't kill them. Like you, these are like, you know, novels of, of lore. And, 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 and I think that that scene, uh, was just so entertaining to rewatch, um, and so yeah, that that was one of my favorite scenes. बंदूक नहीं चल रहा है। When they were locked so in the, the um, they locked themselves in the old uh, hospital, mm -hmm. you know, that's another really fun scene too. And that scene also just feels like two kids playing like, you know, pretend hunter or something like that. Like they're just like getting on beds and, you know, it was like, like a Nerf gun war or something like that. But um, when he was talking to him about what he did, he was saying, oh, that's a crazy idea. I would have done it too. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was just, yeah, it, it's it a nice like, moment. It was just such a nice, like, um, genuine action film moment that that was you know covered in jungle <laughs> I, I love that i mean look i love that i think what this movie does really well is put some amazing set pieces together like like blake and you both have mentioned and that scene is definitely the most the one that i remembered most clearly before i rewatched from many many years ago because the fear of the men locked in that uh, caboose with the lions yes. with the you know just the um just the gate what is it yeah the gate separate the the, the prison and the and the the, the prison yeah. bar kind uh -huh. of the array that's in front of them and they're shaking yes. and yeah that that guy that guy yes. covering yes. his ears when the lion roars i i i've never forgot i've never forgotten that because that is like you know some people talk about you know 
it's that kind of stupid conversation you get in with your friends. Like, do you ever think you could get away from like a an, an animal or something like that? Or people are like, oh, what would, what, I would do? what would what would happen if a lion attacked you? You know, uh, especially after I'd been to Africa, a few of my mates were like, what would happen if a lion? I'm like, you would do nothing. You would just be dead. Right. Like, <laughs> you would be crippled with so much fear <laughs> that if it roared at you, you might just fall to the ground, <laughs> incapacitated with fear, <laughs> yeah. and it would eat you. And you would hope that they did it quickly. I'm like, there's no fighting. There's no running up a tree. Like. You know, that's the kind of the fantasy of this movie that these tough guys can actually hold their nerve when faced with this beast who is just an apex predator. But yeah, that guy covering his ears in that scene, I'll never forget it. And if you have a really amazing sound system and you're watching these flicks and you watch Ghost in the Darkness, that scene is like house shaking. Yeah. Like that would just knock your socks off. It's a brilliant scene. No, yeah. I, will, I mean... Chris, you're, that that cable that uh, cable car or the the train car scene is to me the best in the film. But there's there are like you said the old hospital and then the one in the trees where they yeah. set the the trap in the trees. Like yes. those three that scene is great attempts. It's so scary when he falls and oh yeah. man, yeah, it's the, the, the that's. I mean, by the, the Jedediah Ayers approach, like those are really successful sequences. <laughs> um, I, I, I bow to those. This, and by the way, if you gave me whatever, a hundred million dollars to make a movie in Africa, my movie would be shit compared to this. So I'm not trying to look like, <laughs> you know, a line, you know, like I could do any better at all. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. I love that, that out there that I'm a piece of shit. No, no, no I'm a no, bad no, guy. No, no stop. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that guy. you're right, though. I think it, it does. It's interesting to hear that fact about movies getting re-edited um, in post. And and this one definitely feels a bit like this, where they're they're kind of piecing scenes together and, and, and maybe they're not going completely off the script of it, um, you know, edit for edit. But yeah, it, it does get the sense. And I think that maybe adds to the pacing issue with it. But yeah, like there are these scenes that they're able to develop that just get that sense of we're hunting something, you know, in Jaws, that was really what was just such an enjoyable part of it. And, and, and this movie, one of the first notes I had is it's like Jaws of the Jungle. Um, it really is because it's like more so than like more so actually it's Jaws of the Jungle than like Jurassic Park, in my opinion, or like King Kong or whatever. This is actually really feels like there's this violent on, there's a violent force out there that you don't quite understand. And, um, and it's beneath the surface. It's always beneath yeah. the surface. Yeah. Can I, can yeah. I talk about one of my favorite scenes? Just talking about that, like subterranean subconscious level. Like, I'm so sorry. We're out of time. The dream brother. sequence. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go, go, go. I can't wait to hear it. Teach me, man. By the way. Hey, dude, didn't, don't you have some cool news about teaching and didn't you just graduate? I did graduate a master's. Congratulations. I did. Thank you. I haven't done the ceremony yet. Yes. Masters of edu secondary education. It's crazy. I feel like, um, I feel like I look like what Patterson did after like the lion oh, is God, biting yeah. his leg. That was my master's degree and me running up a bridge with a sawn off shotgun, just like yeah. firing at it in, in crazy. Congratulations. And just, and just at the, just at the end when it's teeth are in me, I shot it. I'm like, Oh, it's done. I'm alive. Okay. Um, so thank you. Oh for that. man. Um, that's so amazing. But my Congrats. Thank you. My favorite scene 
is mm. the dream mm-hmm. sequence. Mm. That dream sequence, talk about a scene yeah. that like stuck with me. The the entire geography, like action cinema, horror cinema right. is so important about the geography. And I think that that's what we talked about in that train car scene. It's like the geography of the scene is we know exactly how big it is. We know what's between the line and these guys. And that just box of like, you're in this one room. You're, they're only a few feet away from him. And the, the bars shaking and the noise and all those things. But the geography and the joy of Val Kilmer's Patterson looking at mm. Emily Mortimer and his new son. And then the geography, yeah. this amazing move maneuver that Hopkins does, which is positioning him here and seeing just how far away they are. And then that embankment of the grass and then the score turns on. That yeah. is nightmarish yeah. beyond belief for me. Like that scene, her white dress, the baby's white clothes, the 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 grit of that African soil. There's just something about the ochre that's in the soil that is just all around. He's covered in dirt, sweating. The tan of actually being out there in the bush. Just that whole contrast and that scene when that unfolds and he wakes up to that nightmare and then they do a little callback of it later on in the film. I'm just like, that is one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in any movie and indelible, like just stuck to me. I'm just like the geography of terror. Hopkins does a brilliant job. Also does a brilliant job in predator for this too. Like the action geography of the, whatever this impending doom is, whether it's an intergalactic (laughs) intergalactic hunter or, or this, this force of lions, that action geography, I think he is just one of the best at his time doing that kind of action orientated geography in that scene. And I just can't get, I mean, it's awful. It's a night, it is truly a nightmarish scene. Um, and it's, but I just, I can't get enough of the, the instinct of him to cut around that scene and the way they position it. It's just, yeah, purely terrifying. just you don't get you know it's like that a dream sequence like that is 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 it's used so creatively and and it's so effective yes and it's playing on all kinds of themes and and you know psychoanalytic dream theory and and it's just it it reeks of it and and it's enjoyable to watch uh and it's terrifying and then you kind of get out of it you know it, it 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 does a good job it works as a mechanism to show how tortured he is well, and also, you know, there's like a lot, you know, it's the absolute 
pit of horror for somebody who's out there like trying to master an environment that he is essentially an alien to. And there's a lot about like, you know, being man enough to kill threats and protect the village. And like, this is his wife and son who, you know, it's gotta be his uttermost fear. The only, my only note about that scene that could have made it better was if it wasn't a dream and it actually happened. (laughs) 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 But, and you know what? In that forty-five minutes that got cut, it may have happened. We don't actually even know. Maybe like, that's like, what Stephen, Goldman Stephen, has such a problem with. Again. It's that's a dream now. We cannot kill Emily Mortimer and a baby. We can't do it. And he's like, and he's like, he's like, have you not seen Predator Two? I'll kill anything. I'll kill anything. Like, <laughs> Dennis Leary, you know. He he dies in Judgment Night. So does this baby. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 like an interest. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, violence is weird in movies nowadays, and 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 movies like these kind of do a good job at um, making you feel like what it might feel like. And I think one of my other favorite scenes is is really like you know, the whole, it's, it, this is kind of a long, I love the intro of this movie. I love how you feel like you're on a journey and this will be kind of my second scene that I really love, but you do feel like you're on a journey and I love them sitting on the train and going in and, and then we're building this bridge and the Mahina character, that actor is, is so, yeah, he's so enjoyable and such just a force on camera and he just grabs you visually. You just, your eyes go to him and, and to see him demise, to see his death, is so oh. sad and it's done in that same jaws way where but it's like done a little better you know it's it's like he's going to sleep he's all relaxed and then boom, boom, getting pulled you see the lions just pulling him out and it's it again just it the beauty of the beginning is then just like immediately cut by how terrifying this movie is about to be and that scene does it justice. I think Jaws does it in the very beginning. This movie kind of fakes you out a little bit and thinks, you know, because in a weird way, they they set it up and finish the movie. They build the bridge, you know. Well, that's my other favorite scene is the Mahina scene where he goes, I once killed a lion. And he goes, and, and Angus goes, how many shots yeah. did you need? <laughs> yes, yeah. I use my I, hands. I also have killed a lion. How many shots did you need? I use my hands. Oh. Uh, John, four weeks is just not enough time. You just have to use your hands. And I was just like, this guy is my king. He's the best. Like, not only is he the most visually vibrant character, it's like, yes. And then they do that kind of like, there's that bit of uplifting. They're making progress. There's these things. He's killed the, you know, the preliminary threat. But then in tandem with that, I think those scenes worth, they're both so complimentary. is because Mahina's our king then. And he's like, if this guy's insurmountable. He's a guy who can tackle a lion and kill it with his bare hands. And then to see him dragged away like a yeah. doll like just unceremoniously dragged away and all these other guys who uh, that overhead shot 
of all the guys with their head, oh. sleeping with their heads together in the tent. And all the guys are like a foot shorter than him. And he's the tallest guy there. And he just shoo, like that jolt out and then straight out into the bush. It's just, oh, that scene is just, yeah, they're both wild scenes. And I love them yeah, both for those no, reasons. Yeah, there's no protection from anybody. The vulnerability of them in the camp uh, was, was so in, enjoyable yeah. to feel. You know, the, 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 they couldn't really quite protect themselves. And um, even even that scene when they, they think they're doing a good job, when, when Michael Douglas's character kind of comes in and is explaining what they need to do and, you know, get all these men over to another hot, you know, all of this, all the stuff, all the action movie stuff when that's happening. And then the lines still get into the other, um, they get into the other hospital. Yeah, and, hospital. and I re- one thing I always remember is how peaceful that other hospital feels. They really do a good job of making it feel like it's peaceful and safe. It's it's peaceful until you get a, a fire lit lion open mouth roaring horror silhouette and all of these people are just being unceremoniously murdered and you're like, this is a good movie. Um, this is a good movie. Rob, how can you not love lions eating the shit I, out of people? It's my you know? favorite part That's, of the movie. That's where we're getting... <laughs> my favorite characters in the movies are the lions. I, tell, I started off by saying I, I'm, I'm rooting for the lions. The other, the uh, quickly, those scenes are great and th- those were my mine too. The one moment that I liked that I was surprised about um, was when they go to the lair and they see all the bones of all the humans the lions have eaten. And like, it was just a nice scary moment of like the scale that this is not something new. Like they, this pride of lions is, is out there, you know, in the game since the, you know, the dawn of the Savannah grass and this is what they do. And everyone has kind of like um, remarked on them as some kind of new twist of jungle terror or whatever but like you go to that lair and it's it's really scary and it it heightens their threat even more um but i did i was just gonna say like that scene exactly does such a great job of giving a very terrifying point of view to these these two lions that i think like i don't think any actual like animal terror film is that a genre (laughs) has ever been able to do and even jaws (laughs) is so great it seems just kind of like 
you know, when they started adding like the vendetta theme to Jaws's sequels, like he had he had a bone to pick. <laughs> it never worked, but they they kind of do it really well in this scene by just going to their their lair, you know, and and uh, and the lions. Douglas's reaction is everything yeah. there is Remington, where he where, where he does that like, oh my god, yeah. oh and my like, god, you just go, he goes, oh my god, you're like. It's just the best. I I, see, I hear that and I'm like, oh, this is this is real. Yeah. It's well, so he, good. because they're right, not, let's take a quick break. We've talked they're about they're not hunters, they're murderers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with our two uh favorite characters and we'll go we'll go straight in to our two favorite Great. quotes. Rob Belushi, who are your favorite characters in here? Your two favorite characters, I'm going to assume, are both the ghost and <laughs> yes, the darkness. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Second favorite character is their roar. Third favorite character are their four, eight paws. <laughs> but if I'm going to pick a human, um, I, they're, they're, my two favorites are Tom Wilkinson's character and then Om Puri's character. Of yeah. Noah, oh, has, yeah. Yes, Abdullah's great. He's great. Fantastic. He's got the great line. Of course, you will build this bridge. You're white. You can do anything. Yeah, white. You yeah, can do anything. and I'm dubious. Two are dead now in two nights. The second. Far end of the camp. A man wandering alone at night. There's even less of him than there was of Mahina. It's too soon for a lion to kill from hunger. In our village, we construct thornbush fences around where we live. Big burning fires at night. That keeps the lion away. Good. Get started. And a strict curfew. No one is allowed out of their tent at night. Abdullah, you'll send half your men with Samuel to help build these fences. The other half you'll take to the bridge. Now sort this out. I will kill the lion and I will build the bridge. Of course you will. You're white. You can do anything. It would be a mistake not to work together on this thing, Abdullah. Yeah. I like them in tandem, too, because, you know, uh, Val Kilmer's character, his name's Captain John. Patterson is like, you, will, you have not mastered your fear, and that's why you're leaving, which is a great line, you know, for me in my personal life. But in this movie, Amper is like, yeah, peace out fuck off they're killing us we're gone and then he comes back and it's like this moment of you know brohood between patterson and abdullah but like the lions are dead of course we're gonna come back you know he's like <laughs> they're killing us and then another side of the, i feel like that is real kind of a realistic piece to this you know crazy heightened universe but also tom wilkinson's character to open it up like the yes. extreme ugliness of imperialism right at the top. John Henry Patterson. I'm Robert Beaumont. Firm handshake. I like that. Tells me a lot about you. Do sit down. Oh, why don't you tell me about me? Well, to get you started, many people find me handsome with a wonderful smile. I'm sure you agree. Winning personality. Heaps of charm. 
My wife is the game player in the family, sir. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. Look at me closely, Colonel Patterson. I'm a monster. My only pleasure is tormenting those people who work for me. People like yourself. Make one mistake and I promise you, I'll make you hate me. He's so mean, so rude, so disrespectful, so unapologetically and aggressively so that it's like, okay. I mean, Captain Patterson is, uh, or Colonel Patterson isn't like that because we're supposed to like him and he's innocent and, and has like a, a helpful, loving heart of Africa and animals and stuff. But he's just a tool of Tom Wilkinson's wallet and it's i don't care yeah i don't care about the 30 dead i care about my <laughs> night yes exactly 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 so those are my two favorites wilkinson and uh, umpery yeah um Chris. i mean i enjoy a lot of the characters in this movie i i think if i'm gonna have to have uh obviously i'm gonna give an, a very honorable shout out to uh mahina I, I love that character. Um, you know, I, I totally can relate. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to have to give it to, uh, you know, Douglas and John Canny. Um, the Samuel character is just such a good narrator of this whole film. And you really go on the journey with him. Um, and he also. John Canny, completely underrated. One of the best actors almost ever. Any role he's in completely and, crushes yeah and, so and for whatever like egos were being dealt with from kilmer or douglas or whomever on set you know i i feel like there's so many really great performances in in this movie you know and again that's just something i don't really feel like i see as much these days in a lot of things tv shows i i don't really think like you get someone who just embodies performance and acting and, and Candy does it just a, a really, really impressive job in this film of, of getting, you know, a movie that is, you know, maybe on paper one way and he just really elevates it with, with his, his, his acting. And, and, and to that point too, you know, it's like on the other end of that spectrum, the Charles Remington character, Michael Douglas, just like, he, <laughs> he, he does the job that he needs to do in this and being that kind of like cowboy. And, and I know it, it doesn't fit within the world of, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, but it, it, it reminded me of like a <laughs> Billy Wilder movie or it reminded me of just an older movie, you know, where I'm like, and, and that's again what I enjoyed about it. Like, I, I don't feel like I get that sense when I'm watching some of these newer dated films, um, you know, the uh, Oriental Express, uh, Murder on the Internet. I, 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 just, I just feel like it's missing in, in this world of, of, of cinema. So when I was watching that, I just really appreciated that he kind of served this purpose. Um, and so, yeah, th those are my two favorites. And, and I think that they, they did a really great job of, of pushing the story forward and, and, and really kind of anchoring some, some much needed scenes. and tired of your life. You, you listen to what I'm talking. Changing plans. Get him back! Now get him all back! Get him back! Ah, you listen while I talk, because you got a question needs answering. Will I pull this trigger? 
You don't know all that has happened here. He will pull the trigger, Abdullah. The, the, the devil has come to Savo. Oh, you're right. The devil has come to Savo. Look at me. I am the devil. I'm a man of peace. You sound like a man who wants to live. Most certainly. Absolutely. Yes. Well, that's an excellent decision. Your name is Abdullah. Yes. Well, I'm sure we're going to meet again. I think it's been a pleasure. I loved it so much, too. I mean, Michael Douglas does... He's great. He's Michael Douglas. Like, when even he when up, he's bad, yeah. he's fucking great. And, like, he walks in <laughs> and he, with so much swagger. You're like, this is a man who knows that he, as producer, is getting x percent yes. of his budget yes. and like he doesn't care because he's, he already knows the payment <laughs> he's like fuck it all right let's i'll jump in let's do it so he did whatever the fuck he wanted Rob, he's definitely partying it. yeah he's partying in this movie. yeah yeah oh you're right yeah. oh you're yeah. right the devil has come to salvo <laughs> look at me i am i saw so this movie rules. Um, I'm gonna. I'll be quick on mine because we've already kind of tangentially mentioned them. Mahina, my favorite character uh, in the movie. I love everything about him. I love what he. I just love the presence that he brings to the movie. He anchors it, and the intense fear that once Mahina goes, it's like one of those things that I think is undervalued. Creating this huge character that you feel is going to have this hugely important role, and when they get taken, it's kind of like Deep Blue Sea did it great, where like Sam Jackson, even though that's a, a, a totally dopey movie, but like Sam Jackson's standing there and he's like, all right, we're going to get these Boom. sharks again, and then bang, he just gets taken. And that Mahina thing, I feel like that had to walk so that Deep Blue Sea could run. Like you you have to create that character who feels impenetrable and tough, and then he's just dealt with. But I, I love, this ties into both my favorite my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes, which I am one of them, I just said that I am the devil. But my other favorite quote is, there's an amazing scene. If I had to say a third, it's Remington. And there's an amazing scene where Michael Douglas's Remington goes, well, I'm a very considerate man. My mother taught me that. And Samuel, who's my other favorite character, just starts cackling. And he goes, now, what the hell are you laughing about? You don't think I'm considerate? And he goes, I don't believe you had a mother. <laughs> Samuel says you killed a lion. Probably just luck. Nobody kills a lion with one shot by luck. You might be useful tomorrow. But even if you're not, you should understand this may take me two, maybe three days to sort this out. But when I leave, you're still gonna have to build that bridge so I don't want your men to lose respect for you. Very considerate of you. Well, I'm a very considerate man. My mother taught me that. <laughs> uh, what the hell are you laughing about? You don't think I'm considerate? I don't believe you had a mother. <laughs> <laughs> his spit takes and it's just that that scene those guys around that fire pit that that crackle whatever the chaos was around that set they are having a ball and i just i love that scene i love those guys and um, I think I think I love uh, unabashedly. I, love I will get movie. my one. There's favorite. so much fun firelight. Like there's yeah. so much love, fun firelight. Uh, in yes. That movie. Yeah. 
I think if we're doing Sorry, favorite Chris. favorite lines too, if we're getting them in here now, I I just can listen to the Samuel character walk around going one shot. One yeah. shot. Like, like next time I get a go to the bar, or next time I at Starbucks, one shot. Don't Patterson has made the night safer again. People are gonna look at But no, yeah, I I I, I can't reiterate enough how much this did remind me of, of jaws and, and it pays homage to it and they're you know even the 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 hospital sequence and 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 when they're looking at the dead body this wasn't done by no accident this was a shark you know this was this is the same in, in in ghost in the darkness this is lions did this you know <laughs> and it um it, it it's just a very fun ride um, we're getting into the summer season. It's definitely, you know, uh, I think a film you can get into on a, you know, you got nothing to watch on a Friday night and you're not doing anything. This might be one to pop up. Well, I think speaking of summer, speaking of sweat, I think we really, gentlemen, we've talked about this and we're going to throw it out there now for this episode. One of our upcoming summer themed too much movie episodes must be Catherine Bigelow's crime epic LA set. Point Break coming up, and I'm all, I'm all, I'm lobbying after all of our Predator Two talk for a nice sweaty Predator Two chatter in the coming weeks on Too Much Movie. I think that we have to, we've got to get amongst. That it. sounds we like have a good to get September. It, yeah. We're not sure if this one's gonna sink or swim uh, release, so uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll do it then. <laughs> I'll show the new Predator. Yeah, that's coming September, out. but the new yeah. Predator Prey. New Predator. Yes, the new Prey movie coming out. We'll tie that in, but definitely the next one we're going to be talking about is Point Break, and we do have, um, and as promised, we've just been waiting for the release of uh, the Deadwood Bible. Matt Zolazite's coming on to talk about a movie that is extremely near and dear to our hearts and is resplendent with so many Rob Belushi impressions. Yeah. I think we might explode on the show yeah. is yes. JFK. So that is coming. Point break is coming. Uh, definitely predator two. We're going on a bit of a Hopkins uh, hop, skip and a jump, but uh, lads, it's been so good to get back together. Thank you so much. I feel like we, I feel like Chris, we may have, pushed Rob a little bit closer, but he, I, I, I don't want to play poker with the man now because he's got a stone face. He looks like a, he looks like he could uh, best me. I think I'd go all in and he'd just take me for I, everything. Guys, I'm out. absolutely the worst poker player in the world. I go all in on every hand. <laughs> I, I lose my money fast. I buy back in, but let me tell you, there's nothing that makes me love a movie more than hanging out with two guys I love who love that movie and I ain't going to make you wrong for that. <laughs> Movies are about um, finding, you know, what is particular to your taste and enjoyment. And, and it's easy to love you guys loving this movie and there's so much to love about it. So <laughs> thank you for, for leading me on this one track train into the middle of your mania <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i i just uh i wish i we could be uh at the uh westwood movie theater i can't remember exactly which one it was maybe it was the bruin and i wish we were all sitting there together watching this flick together so that would that would be a dude a treat. that that was oh, when the uh century city theater was in the front of the mall and not the back remember oh yeah definitely i uh i i used to get dropped off that the Century City Shopping Center on, on the weekends and, and I would do what you call a loop with my friends and we would walk around and like look at girls 
we were like in the eighth grade and we'd be like, you know, and, and play like eyes. And then, uh, and then we'd go get yogurt and watch a movie. <laughs> yep. That was, that was, that was, that was my childhood. <laughs> well, in the, in the words of Angus Starling, well, we all work together. Worthy deeds were accomplished. We'll catch you on another episode of Too Much Movie very soon. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts.